turn in your Bibles to Genesis 22. Get your Bibles out and turn to Genesis 22. If you've ever taken a test, you'll appreciate the text for today. In Genesis chapter 22, beginning with verse 1, Now it came to pass, after these things, God tested Abraham. This was a test. We, like Abraham, are tested, aren't we? But we always have, a, we always have an open book test. You know, this is, don't you, didn't you love going to school and you had an open book test? Now we, we've got an open book test every time we're tested by God. With the help of God's instruction book, the Bible, we should always be able to pass the test. But it's hard to do. Carl Sandburg said, a tree is best measured lying down. And so it is with a man or a woman. When the world has you down, when you're at the end of the rope, how do you measure up? God knows us. He knows every hair on our head. So why should He test us? If God knows everything and and God knows every hair on our head, why should He test us? Doesn't He know us? Yes, God knows us. God does know, but the funny thing is, is we don't. We don't. And God wants us to know. God wants us to understand. When you take a test, there's something being measured. You know, if you take an algebra test, and I want that shirt, I want that T-shirt that says, Another day has passed without me ever using algebra. I want that t-shirt. But when you take an algebra test, what's being measured? Your knowledge of of algebra, right? When your car is tested down in Gallatin, what do do you usually test? They stick the thing up the tailpipe. What's being tested? It's the emission system that's that's being tested. When you go to the doctor and you you go to the doctor for a test where there's there's a specific something that they're looking for, a specific body part maybe, that they're trying to test. It's specific. What's the thing being tested by God? Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4 says that we've been approved, we've been entrusted to carry the gospel to other people. That's what we've been entrusted to do. Not to please men, but to please God because God tests our hearts. Are we... Approved. How are we tested? Well, trials test us. Life tests us. The Word tests us. Yes, the Bible, the Bible tests us. We read certain things in the Bible. Abraham, I want you to understand that about his life. His life tested him. As we've been studying, uh, the trials that he went through, they, they tested Abraham. And God's word tested Abraham. Abraham had God's word. Look at verse 2 of Genesis 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. And this is the attitude that we've got to have when we're tested to be pleasing to God We've got to have that here I am attitude. 
That's the attitude Abraham had. God tells you to do something through his word, and our attitude should be, here I am. What can I do for you? We need to be ready and willing to obey God at every turn, ready at a a moment's notice, willing to do whatever it takes. You know, if we love God, if we love God, we'll obey God. We'll do what God says. You'll, You'll do what it takes to find out What's pleasing to God? It says in John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24, it says, He who does not love me does not keep my word. To love God, we've got to obey God. If you love God, you'll obey Him. And if you don't love God, you you won't obey Him. Michael Whitworth wrote in his book, The Epic of God, Biblical faith considers uninterrupted fellowship with God as the most valuable thing one can possess. Biblical faith manifests itself by submission to God's sovereignty, confidence He will provide, and obedience to His authority. Again, continuing on with our passage, verse 2. Then He said, Now, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. There it is. God's word to Abraham. This is how he's being tested. He could hear the words of God and do one of two things with it. He could obey it or not obey it. Now God was asking him, he's asking Abraham to do what for many would be impossible. Held a little river in my arms. She's beautiful. Kiss those lips. Gorgeous. What if God said, now kill her? Kill her. Do you love your children? Do you love your grandchildren? Could you do what Abraham is being asked to do here? Is your future, are your hopes and your your dreams, are, are they wrapped up in our children? Do you think Abraham's future, do you think his hopes and his dreams, do you think they were wrapped up in Isaac, the child of of promise? Just turn a few pages before this. Keep your finger in in Genesis 22. Turn over to to Genesis 17, just just for a second. Before this account uh, where God sets his covenant with Abram, who he changes his name to, to Abraham, God said in Genesis 17 and verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And then he said, verse 15, 
Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall, shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Isaac, you see here, was a special child. Isaac was a a child born of promise. Isaac was a child born in their old age. And now what was so easy for God to do, give a child to an older couple... Give a barren woman a son. He so easily wants Abraham to snuff out the life of this promised one. It was up to Abraham to obey or not to obey. Hey, you know, Abraham was just a man. He was just a man like me or you. He was just a man. And he had a choice. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, in, in the chapter entitled, Is Christianity Hard or Easy? writes this, The Christian way is different, harder and easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time. I don't so much of your money or, or so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here or there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or or stop it or have it out. But to have it out, hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early. How many stay up late on Saturday night? Guilty, only to be too tired for worship on Sunday? Do you find yourself running out of time in the morning to get here? you sometimes you've seen my family take the example of Abraham he got, a, he got up early scholars say that the journey from where he was to where he was going in Mount Moriah was a three day journey over 40 miles he went all this way to worship not to grieve not to die not to be entertained not to be blessed Not to get something out of the sermon. Not to get something out of the worship service. He went all that way to worship God, no matter what the cost. In the morning, after he rose early and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him 
and Isaac, his son. So there's, there's four in the party. Do you see that? There's Abraham, his son, and two, two of his servants. All right, There's four in the party. He split the wood for the burnt offering. He, he was ready to do what was required of him. God had told him to do something. He was preparing. He was required when he went to worship. He, he, he didn't get there and remember the wood. He didn't get to worship and remember the fire. Abraham took it all with him. You ever forgotten the check? You ever forgotten the check on Sunday morning? I have. Just a couple of weeks ago. Busy doing something. You know, all, all a child has to do to get, get my mind off something is say, uh, will you come look at this? And I was headed to get the check. I was headed to the office, to the bill box, going to ride it out to church. I had to go look at something. Forgot all about it. Got here sitting on the front row. Oh, man. Forgot. I forgot. You ever done that? It's time for worship. And you're not ready. That sign in the back, if everybody will just turn and look right there. Brother Trammell put that up. Before he died, it says, leave to serve. But what's it say coming this way? Ready to worship. That's what we need to be ready to worship, folks. When we come through these doors, that's what we need to be doing. Yeah, the, 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 I, I, love the, I love the camaraderie we have. I love the talk. I love it. I do. I love hearing it. Don't, don't get me wrong. But we have got to be ready. Because the reason we're here is to worship. That's the reason we're here. Abraham, notice, Abraham, he was ready and arose and he went to the place. There was a certain place, it says, of which God had told him. You know, look, Abraham didn't just go anywhere to worship. He didn't go just anywhere to worship. He went to where God told him to go worship. So many folks think that if it, has, if it has a cross on top of it, it's got to be pleasing to God. Yet they forget or are ignorant of the fact that, that it's God who sets the parameters for our worship, not us. God sets the parameters for our worship and we must be pleasing to Him or our worship is unacceptable. Verse 4, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. Why not worship right there? Right there or, or back where he came from or on some other mountain that they had passed or were coming to. No, Abraham was told to go to Mount Moriah. Do you know where Mount Moriah is? If you've ever seen a picture of Jerusalem, if you've ever seen in today's uh, life the, 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 where the, 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 the Dome of the Rock is, you know, where the Muslims pray, you know, that big gold dome, that's Mount Moriah. What was there just before that mosque was built? Oh, A.D. 70, the temple was there. The temple, Mount Moriah, stretches from where the temple mount was all the way over 
guess where? To the place of the skull where Jesus was crucified. For thousands of years, this land would be contested. This land would be holy. And that's where God sent Abraham to worship. The place where the temple would be. The place where later on his son would be crucified. This is where Abraham was sent to worship. This was the certain place that God wanted Abraham to go to. The place was determined by God. A.G. Hobbes said this in 1955, that no one can do God's will, obey Christ, no one can do God's will, obey Christ, and fulfill His religious duties except in the church of Christ. Now, don't think I'm throwing some denominational name out you, at you. I'm throwing a description of the church. That's where God wants us to worship today. In the church of His Son. In the body of His Son. This is not a boastful, self-righteous statement. Please don't get me wrong. But a sober fact. Christ only built one church. It is Christ's church. It's the church of Christ. Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus is the head over His body, the church. Colossians 1, 18. Jesus built no other church and is the head over no other church. And you need to make sure that your worship is in the church that Jesus built. And we can do that today. Look at verse 5, Genesis 22, verse 5. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey and the lad and I. We'll go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. And notice, I want you to notice the faith of Abraham even here. His faith is shown even here. We will go up and we will come back. Worship is no easy task. Worship is sometimes heavy. It was a burden on Abraham. He could not send his servants to do it in his place. <laughs> you can't worship for your children. <laughs> your children can't worship for you. Just because you're here and your children aren't doesn't mean you're worshiping for them. And just because you're here and your parents aren't does not mean you are worshiping for them. Worship is a personal act of submission to the will of God. It's personal. That's the reason we all need to be here. Every time we can. There are different kinds of worship, but only one that's pleasing to God. There's, there's vain worship. Vain worship. It's referred to by Jesus in Matthew 15, verses 7 through 9. Hypocrites, he said, uh, these people, they draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far, far from me. Remember, it's God, God tests what? The heart, right? Their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, Jesus said. Vain worship is following the traditions of men and ignoring the commands of God. Paul calls it will worship in the King James Version uh, or self-imposed worship. If you look at Colossians chapter 2 verses 20 through 23, he, he says, therefore, therefore, if you died with Christ, if you, basically if you are baptized, 
you died with this is what he says in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4 if you've been baptized if you the death the burial the resurrection if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations do not touch do not taste do not handle which all concern things that perish with using according to the commandments and doctrines of men these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. This worship is closely aligned with vain worship. It's, it's the result of doing what we like. It's the result of doing what we think. It's the result of uh, doing what we think is good, what we think is right. Not doing what God thinks is good and what God thinks is right. But this attitude is not taught by God in His Word. What's the attitude taught by God? Remember, Abraham said, Here am I, here I am. What do you want from me, God? Many live in what Paul calls ignorant worship. Acts chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. This worship is offered in absence of, of the knowledge of God's will. People just don't know. People just don't know anymore how God is to be worshipped. So many people don't know what God wants. And what's sad is, what's sad is so many are not going to take, you know, there's people that I run into and people that maybe you've run into, they're just not going to take the time to study with you the Bible and find out what it is God wants. It's rare sometimes, isn't it? It's rare sometimes to find someone that wants to study with you and find out what God wants. When you find somebody like that, it brings a smile to your face and a joy to your heart. Amen? I mean, it really does. They don't want to be ignorant. True worship, referred to by Jesus, is found, to, found in John chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. You worship what you do not know. We told the Samaritan woman by the well, we know what we worship for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. He said God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. That's true worship. This is the type of worship expected today by God. The hour is coming. Guess what? And now is. That, it's here. It now is. That hour, is. that's what we're in. Are we worshiping God acceptably? Is God pleased with our worship? Is it true worship or are we worshiping ignorantly? Or, or, or is our worship will worship or, or are we worshiping in vain? Is, is, is what we're doing here today not worth the money we've got in our pocket? It should be evident from this list that just any worship is just any worship is not acceptable to God. There are different kinds that can be offered, but only one is acceptable. Only one. The boundaries of true and acceptable worship are set by God. And are we following the guidelines set by God or, or are we not? Look at verse 6, Genesis 22, verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it, on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Again, Abraham had what he needed to worship. He had the wood, he had the fire, he had the, he had the knife. I don't want you to forget, he had the boy. Don't forget that. He had the boy, he had the sacrifice. 
that innocent boy, not deserving of what was about to happen to him. And notice, he lays all this stuff on Isaac's back. You know, we, I've been, we've been studying on Sunday morning the life of Jesus Christ and those pictures by James Tassot of Jesus with that cross upon his back as he's laying in the streets of Jerusalem. Jesus carried his own means of destruction up the hill as well as Isaac. He carried his own means of destruction. Verse 7, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Notice, Abraham treated Isaac like God, like Abraham treated God. Here I am. The love for his son was the same as his love for God. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? This boy knew how to worship. This boy knew how to worship. He knew there had to be a lamb. I got the fire, Daddy. I got the knife. I got the wood. But where's the lamb, Daddy? He knew how to worship because his mom and daddy told him how to worship. Mamas and daddies, we've got to show our children what true worship is. He could have only known this because of his mother and his father. Verse 8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together and they came to a place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there. He placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. How, how was he going to do this? Was he, was he going to do this? Was he just going to take like the picture shows, the little cartoon? Was he just going to take the knife and just go straight down with it? No, 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 no. When, when you, if you look over at, at, at Leviticus, if you look over at Leviticus, how they, how they killed animals, how they killed the animal before they came into the temple, they put their hand on its head so they could pull that head up and slit that throat and gut that animal. He was going to, the word, the original word there can mean slaughter. He was about to slaughter his son, not just stab his son. He was about to gut his son. He was a sacrifice. That's what you did with sacrifices. Wouldn't just kill him. He was going to slaughter him. Had to be emotional. If you remember when God called Abraham from heaven at the first of the chapter, he said his name once. It had to be emotional because look, he says it twice, verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Oh, do we fear God like that? Do we fear God like that? Whether you know it or not, you're asked to do almost the same thing 
Christians, we're, we're asked to do almost the same thing. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verses 37 through 39, He who loves mother or father more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. It's a challenge as, as the good brother Matt preached last Sunday night. It's a challenge. Are we up for the challenge? Putting God first and taking up our cross and following Him. Do you have... I don't know how to say this. Let me say it. Do you have an unhealthy attachment to your children? I mean, Abraham had to choose, Right? Family or God? Family or God? What do you choose? What have you chosen? What have I chosen? Do I, do I choose my family over God at times? To choose our families over God is unhealthy. But as we see here, God, He doesn't want us to sacrifice our family. He, we're, instructed, we're, we're instructed over and over in the New Testament to provide for our families. I could bring up passage after passage uh, 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 of how we're supposed to bring our, our families along to, to, grow to, to grow together. But to be so wrapped up in their future and the promises that they hold that we put our family over God, well, that's not right. We've got to love God more than our family. And when a choice is made, if a choice has to be made between our family or, or our God, we've got to choose God. We've got to. It's so hard to do sometimes. I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, it is hard to do sometimes. But we've got to do it. It's got to be God. Hey, you know what? And, the, and choosing God, that's the best thing that we can do for our family. That's the best thing we can do for our family is to choose God. We may not think it. We may be called everything in the book. And we may be looked down upon by the world. And we may be chastised by, by people that we might even admire. But we put God first. And God's pleased. And the rest of them don't matter. Rest of them don't matter. Verse 13, And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. Look what Abraham does. God does for Abraham. Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its, by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. This was his place of worship. And what was the name of it? The Lord will provide. Money. Job. Bills. Kids. 
For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, they'll they'll be added unto you. Put God first. Put God first. There's a shadow of this event. This was a shadow of a future event. I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to say. This was a fa- shadow of a future event. Almost 2,000 years later, an event where God, the Father, would give His only begotten Son. Uh, and like a lamb, the Son would be led up a small hill called Golgotha. Uh, the, the land of Moriah, where Abraham worshipped, is where Jesus would also die. Instead of being bound, Jesus was nailed to the wood of a cross and the son would give his life willingly obediently lovingly even more innocent than Isaac but this time there would be no voice from heaven stopping the sacrifice Heaven was absolutely silent. The call would go up. Jesus said, Eloi, Eloi, Lamba Sabatani, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God was silent. The son died. But there's good news. Jesus beat death, he beat sin. He rose again on the third day. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14, verses 1 through, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, that I declare to you the gospel. Here it is, the gospel which I preached to you. Paul preached this to the Corinthians, by which also you received. The Corinthians received this. They understood this. They had heard this. And which you stand, they stood in this gospel that he's about to tell them. And by which you are saved. This is what they were saved by, the gospel, all right? If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, Christians, you've got to hold fast to this word, this gospel that he's, he's preached to them, that he's about to tell them again, unless you believed in vain, you know, worship, vain worship, believing in vain, you can believe this in vain, what? For I delivered you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Abraham's obedience to God's will justified his faith. And when we obey the gospel, our faith is justified too. James said, James 2 verse 20, Do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham here? This is what he's talking about. What we've just been reading about, James is talking about. What the story that I've just told you, James is telling you again. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Do you want to be God's friend? That's what he was called, the friend of God. Sometimes the test is standing on your own Mount Moriah, 
totally dependent upon God. And on your mountain, like Abraham, will you conclude that the Lord will provide. In order to be saved, you must be willing to lose your life. As our good brother Matt said last week, the challenge is still, still here. It carries over, Matt. Matthew 16, 25, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. How willing are we to surrender what is most precious to us? Save your life. Stay the hand. Obey God by being baptized today. Let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. As together we stand and sing.